Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Standing on the North Bank. This is a Swansea City podcast from, uh, from us here at Wales Online. Uh, my name is Matt Davis, uh, joined by Ian Mitchell as usual. Good afternoon. And man. we are happy to say we're joined by Stephen Carroll today, a uh, special guest. Uh, I'm sure most Swans fans will know who Steve is. Um, welcome, mate. Good to see you. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, no problem at all. Um, plenty to talk about then. Um, we'll kick off with, with Ipswich. Um, Mitch, you were there at Portman Roads in the sun. Um, and the first away win since New Year's Day, if that's right. Is that right? Yeah, in the league, yeah. Obviously, they beat Villa in the Cup a couple of days after that game against Reading as well. But no, it's a long time coming. They've had some good performances up at West Brom, Norwich, Forest, to name a few. And they've gone and, you know, was it seven games they lost in a row in the league? So it's about time they got that monkey off the backs. And it's ultimately is one that sort of somehow blown the playoff race or the, the race for six spot wide open again. So... But more importantly, it was just getting that monkey off their back. And, you know, let's be honest, Ipswich are a very poor team. They're by far the worst in the division and should have been a bit more comfortable. But, yeah, it's a win's a win. And I think that's all they needed, really. Was it a bit of sort of end of season fair about it? 100%, yeah. All the way through, it just felt like this was the last game. You know, Ipswich even had the lap of honour afterwards because it was their last home game. And they were already down. Credit to their fans. They, they, they were decent because, you know, there could easily have been a bit more animosity. But Paul Lambert seems to be doing his best given his Norwich ties to, to get that club back on track so um, he's saying all the right things but it just hasn't worked out for them on the pitch as for Swansea you know they, they were comfortably the better team just you know up until that Routledge goal went in you sort of thought is it going to be another one of those days um, but yeah they got the win that's all it was nothing more nothing less really uh, what do you think, Steve? Did, did you go to Portman Road? Or? Um, I wasn't there, but I did. It's a hell of a trip, though, that, isn't it? Yeah, I've, uh, I have been before, and that's what put me off, and especially with the situation that the club is in at the moment, obviously, we didn't think there was going to be a lot to play for. It's a bank holiday Monday. You know, fair play to everybody who did go. Um, it was about 500, was it, that went? 5.57, yeah. Five, yeah. Well, that's, that's not a bad following for that distance. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's yeah, such a long way to go. That is a big following. I mean, I know there's a lot of Swans fans that will probably live in maybe the London area, and for them, obviously, it's not that far then, but, you know, that's... That's excellent uh, support, I would say, especially for you know a nothing game. And a lot of the time, you have to buy the ticket so far in advance yeah. to get the the discount that the club um, offer. So, but yeah, it's, um, we've got to be happy with uh, the win. Uh, the waveform, as as you said, really has been poor for a, a number of weeks. There's been some good performances in there, but I mean the most recent one at QPR, where I think a lot of us felt that the result may come there. Obviously, that was by far the worst of the lot, arguably the worst of the season. So it's important really to get back on track and Ipswich, aside that have struggled all season, that was always going to be a good opportunity to uh, um, end uh, the bad run. And we've done that. We've managed to get a clean sheet as well. So, yeah, it's an encouraging signs. Obviously, we know the, the picture has changed with the playoffs, but even if um, that doesn't come to anything, then it's important just to end that run because you wouldn't want to go into next season on the back of you know a sizable run of away defeat. So, um yeah, nice to uh, finally put that to bed. Why are they so different away from home? And they they remind me a little bit of well, like Arsenal. Like they're so they, they they seem to be quite dominant on their own patch, but when they go away from home, they dominate the ball, but just don't seem to take their chances. Yeah, it's it's, it's almost an impossible question to answer. I mean, you look at the caliber of some of the teams they played. Bear in mind, Ollie McBurney list missed a lot of the games. You know, they were without a goal threat. Dan James had to play up front, which I thought he did well in a lot of those games. Um, but it's not his natural role, and it's asking a lot of him against good defenses in you know Norwich, your West Broms, them type of teams. And they didn't take the chances. West Brom was the prime example. They could have won that three or four nil, and instead they get beat three nil. So 
Um, but at home, they've had a bit of continuity. The fans, you know, they've been excellent through what's been a tough season, especially after January, where things sort of, you know, they went a month unbeaten. And then obviously with a farce of deadline day, fans could easily have turned and it could have been bordering toxic. But, it, you know, they've, they've done nothing but back Graham Potter and the players. And I think they've fed off that, especially at home. So, um, but as for the form, I mean, your QPR, Steve mentioned it there, that was just abysmal. But other than that, they've been pretty good. So, would you put it down to? I really don't know. Uh, but Bernie took, uh, spoke this week, didn't he, about the effect of having? Was it? I think it wasn't Bernie, wasn't it? About the effect of the the crowd behind him. When he's, he did, yeah, he's yeah. Charging down balls in the, the 98th minute. Yeah. Do seem to have really sort of fed off that the the crowd. The players really seem to have an affinity with the supports. They do, yeah. I mean, you look at the football that they're playing under Potter. You know, you look at the Rotherham game, for example. You know, they've they've had to come from behind in that one, and it was it was a tough, really tough game against the team battling to stay up. And um, you know, fans can see what they're trying to do. It's more entertaining. Whereas you look back at the you know the Carlos Carviales, the Paul Clements. Did that get you off your feet? Were you enjoying watching that football? You know, let's be honest. <laughs> I think everyone's in unison when we say no there. Um, you know, it's. People are just enjoying what they're watching and appreciate it's a process. You know, that's why we talk about the playoffs. If they don't do it, let's be honest, does it matter? Well, no, because you can see the long-term picture at what they're doing under Graham Potter. So, but yeah, there's there's definitely an affinity, and we saw it with Potter after that Rotherham game. The way he celebrated, it was just nice to see. You know, a bit of passion, and he obviously cares so much about this football club, doesn't he? I mean, talking about Paul Clement there, you know, set pieces is still a problem, aren't they? For, for Swansea, they, that's one area where they're still they're still struggling, perhaps as well with the with the goalkeeping situation. I don't know what you think about about that. Yeah, I can't argue with that at all. If you look at the Nottingham Forest game, I would say recently that's the prime example. Completely dominated the game. Possibly could have had a couple of penalties, but then we finally have got that goal, and we've conceded two identical goals from set pieces. Very soft. I thought Forest were a poor side, yet they've come away with the points and. That's what is frustrating really, is because that was a game we really should have won comfortably and we've thrown it away, that's the only thing you can say really. And it'll be those type of games really that we'll look back on I think if we do fall a little bit short because it's almost like that soft centre sometimes mm. of, you know, maybe it's not tracking a man, maybe we should be putting men on the posts. Arguably if you lead Dan James up the pitch, that will mean a couple of other players have to stay back. It's just little things like that sometimes. Maybe we need the odd more leadership from the defenders to in terms of who should mark who, but it is frustrating. And like you say, with the goalkeeping situation as well, really, um, yeah, I don't think Christopher Nordveld really convinces anybody. Um, he's good with his feet, but we don't trust him to take a cross. Mm. I did see a stat, um, I think it was last week, so I don't know what it's like now, but think of all the goalkeepers who've played 10 games in the championship this season. There's only one with a worse shot percentage save ratio. I think it's 54% he's got. Uh, Erwin Mulder's got 71%, and he's in the top 10. Is he the answer either? I'm not convinced, but I would say he's the better goalkeeper of the two. But obviously he's injured at the moment. But um, yeah, there are there are big issues. I would say that will need to be rectified for next season because it's no good sometimes having completely dominating games and then losing them because we're making basic mistakes. And that, that's what is the most frustrating thing. The football is excellent, but we do have to cut those out. I think. Yeah, I was picking up on some of them points there from Steve. I mean, that Forest game. I spoke to Mike Van der Horn after the game, and he was he was livid. You know, he couldn't believe they'd lost that game. And at the time, Swansea had the best record in the fair play table. Forest were the worst. You know, they had, I think they had about five red cards by that point. And 
that game summed it up. You know, they were getting kicked lumps out of, and you know they're a strong physical team. They've got height in the team. Swansea, off the top of my head, I think they've only got Van der Horn and Ollie McBurney over six foot, which is you know the midfield, the, even the fullbacks are the, a short team. So we're talking about set pieces. Well, you can see why they're not matching up to their opponents. Your Rotherham was exactly the exactly, same. Exactly, I was going to bring up there's panic every time there was a long. There was, long it was into the box. Yeah, that you know, I think Paul Warren said that it could have been eight all, and let's be honest, he wasn't far wrong, was he? So. Um, it's it's an obvious problem, and then the goalkeeping situation. Where do you even begin with that? You know, it's it makes you realise how blessed they were to have Fabianski for for so many years. Yeah, I mean, it might be something they might have to address in in the summer, I suppose. Um, the view I would take would be sell both of them and bring someone else in. Obviously, there's a deficit that needs to be made up. Mm. If you could get, I don't know, a couple of million for either of them. And then get the wages out. You could probably get someone else in. Look at what Huddersfield did a couple of years mm. ago. Danny Ward on loan was um, obviously a bit of an inspired signing. Played a big part in their promotion. Maybe we need to look at something like that if we don't have a great deal of money. The loan market could be yeah. used for it. I mean, there's some calls amongst fan base look at Bender, but no one really knows much about him in terms of being tested at the championship level. He's only been at under 23 grade. Yeah, it's, I, mean, it's, I think that's a bit unfair because he's so young and you know, he's not played first team, so that would almost be clutching at straws. And you know, even if he did have a, a good yeah. game or two, you can't really judge him, can you? So, you know, if if you were gonna look at him to be your man for next season, then you'd think he'd have been playing already, had a few games now, and then look at him a bit more in pre-season. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, maybe he'll be. You know, if there is a change this summer, he might well be number two next season. We don't know, but. Um, it, it, it certainly needs resolving, doesn't it? Because we talk about Nordfeld, you know, being good with his feet and the way Potter wants to play. You know, we saw it against Man City and teams like that where it did work and it did come through him. Bursan Salina, his goal against Ipswich earlier in the season, that was exactly the same thing. So, um, so he he does have that over Mulder. But if you know, if you're not making saves, then yeah. that's that's his job at the end of the day, isn't it? Well, you want your keeper to to to, to be a shot stopper, and you want your yeah. defenders to defend. It's it's very difficult. I mean, I, I certainly always, even when the ball's played back to him, every every time I've got a bit of a, a bit of a panic going on. Mm. The um, problem though is the crowd feel the same yeah, thing. Yeah, I think. And I think down here, once the crowd are against him, it's very difficult to turn the tide. I've seen that down the years, and I think Nordveld is fighting a very difficult battle now to to change people's minds. To be honest with you, mm. and you you've seen those when they were three 0 down after about. 17 minutes of QPR, you know, he, he claims a cross and there's there's ironic cheers and that's just no yeah. good for anybody, is it? You know, and that was happening against Rotherham and you, you just can't have that, can you? It's you know, you, you'd love to see him turn it round. Is he going to get the chance? We don't know. So yeah, it remains to be seen on that one. Nice segue there. One player who has turned it round, um, Wayne Routledge, changing hearts and minds are written here. Um, I must admit that even at the, at the start of the season, I thought maybe it's time. So you know, I think he's linked with QPR for a, for a few weeks, but obviously that didn't happen. Then he wasn't getting picked along with him and Dyer and, and Narsi. They didn't play at all, or I didn't say they didn't play at all. Actually, they did. They played fleetingly in that period, that sort of three month period, and they came back in at Brentford, Brentford away. And Routledge, to be fair, hasn't looked back since. Really, you know, he's been he's been excellent. Yeah, I mean, the two of them you mentioned there have been really important, but I mean. Rowledge, he's still got that little bit of guile about him. He's got more, you know, die. You can see he's sort of lost the pace that we used to used to seeing him have over the last few years. But Rowledge, he's just such a good pro. You know, Graham Potter 
all the way through October, November, December, even before when he wasn't playing, he'd still say he's having a big influence on the group in training, being a pro, showing you how to you know behave as a pro footballer. Because bear in mind how many footballers are in this side that haven't played much football before this season. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 you can't underestimate that. You know, people might think, oh yeah, he's just turning up to training, lifting some weights, and sodding off home. Well, it's, it's a lot more than that, isn't it? So. And then when he has come on the pitch, we've seen the impact he's made. You know, Ipswich was a, another example. The Sheffield Wednesday game at home, he had a good game when they came from behind to win. So, and Brentford, you know, the, the one he came back in. So, yeah, it's, it's great for him because you know he's been such a good servant to this club, and it's, it's all about his future now. You know, can they get that resolved? And you know, I think most fans would probably be in agreement that they'd like to see him stay on for another year. Yeah, what do you reckon, Steve? Yeah, I think uh, Ravlich is definitely worth another year. And to be fair, you know, he's. I think the club did want rid of him. I can sort of understand why, because he's probably on a high wage and obviously he's towards the end of his career now. Um, but since he's uh, been given a chance to come back into the team, he's done really well. So I would say if his wage demands are realistic, then there's no reason why he shouldn't have another season, really. Because um, the likes of Joe Lasoro and Barry Mackay, they haven't really delivered at this, this stage. And you'd have to say that Routledge is probably the best option at the moment to play on the right-hand side. So I think that Routledge... Yeah, should definitely get a new deal. And to be fair, we want players here that want to play for us, and he certainly proved that. Really, um, he hasn't sucked. He obviously must have got on with it, and yeah. not like maybe a Narsing who hasn't really had an opportunity. And that tells me that Potter just hasn't seen a maybe a great attitude from him. Because, like I say, the likes of Osoro and Mackay, when they haven't delivered, then he has turned to Rabbit and Dyer rather than Narsing. So. That just, certainly is a strong case for him. Mm. I just don't think Potter rates Narsing. I just don't think he does. Well, he gave those quite. A, well, when was it? It was about November, wasn't it? Where he said he's had injury problems, so that's kept him out. But also, he's just he's, he's not showing me enough. So yeah, that's that that's volumes, where I was taking it from. Yeah, I remember that quote. It, it speaks volumes, doesn't it? So, which is a shame because you know, coming from was it PSV and the Clement, wasn't it? You know, there was a lot of there was a lot of hope for some. He was a Holland international, scored mm. against England at Wembley. You know, he's obviously got talent, but there's just something not right, is there? So. It'll be one I thought is most definitely on the, on the way. Yeah, the contract, didn't they? Um, yeah, with, with Rowlish though, I think it's probably more a lot to do with his impact off the field as well. It's sort of, I can imagine him being some sort of mentor to some of the younger, younger team, the younger players in that squad. Yeah, they look look to look towards him as sort of like a, a one of the elder statesmen obviously he is but he's got so much experience yeah it's it's, it's so important and you're looking at the, the wing positions was where you know after two tough transfer windows the wing was the one area where Swansea were well stocked you know with Asoro and Mackay coming in you've got Dan James from the academy and you know Routledge die even Narsing if he was stuck so and Montero was still there at the start yeah of course yeah there's another one so it's it was one of those areas where you didn't really know what was going to happen. Were they going to? I think in an ideal world for the club, they'd have seen Makai or Osoro come in, yeah, do well, and that's it. You know, that would have probably been the end of Routledge at Swansea. But you know, it hasn't happened, and a combination of Routledge coming back and having an impact as long as as well as Makai and Osoro not doing as well as people would have hoped. You know, it's it's ended up making fans realise, well, hang on, he he's he's probably doing a, a good job, and let's keep him on. So. Yeah, it was, it was one of those areas that was a bit of a, you know, we weren't concerned about the start of the season and obviously Dan James has stepped up to the plate better than anyone could have imagined, so it's taken the pressure off some of the other younger ones, but yeah, I think you can only praise the way that they've come into the, yeah. the squad and, and yeah. help them youngsters out. It'll be interesting to see if uh, um, contract talks are scheduled for, for Routledge. Um, 
Let's move on to um, talk about the playoffs then. Um, we were talking just before we came we came on air here. Um, are they still in? Are they actually in the running? Do you think? I think it's unlikely. I mean, obviously, we'll take three wins from the the home games with Hull, Derby, and then obviously the trip to Blackburn. But it's not out of the question. I would say um, seventy one points would be a low total to get into the playoffs. But if you look at the way the results went um, over the Easter weekend, then you'd have to say that we do have to go for it. It's, there is an opportunity there. Um, I think if we do win the three, it still remains unlikely. But the fact is, you've, you've got to go for it. There's two home games we're playing really well. You'd fancy us to win those two. So I think if you get to that stage, then what will be will be on the, the final day. Who so, knows? Yeah, who knows? Um, off, could you give us like a bite-sized scenario of... Oh, I, I did a horribly complex one. I apologise for the false hope <laughs> I gave everyone, but no. Ultimately, three wins. They need. You know, let's make no mistake about it. You know, Derby on sixty-seven, Borough on sixty-seven. You know, the Swansea are five behind them too. So, um, Derby Bristol's huge this weekend. If that's a draw, it blow. It's blown wide open again. But even if Derby win, well, if Swansea go and beat them, then it's down to two points to them. And you're talking. You go into the last game where, you know, they're in mathematically the room of the shout. So. Whatever happens, if they beat Hull, they're still mathematically in with a shout, whatever happens elsewhere. But yeah, I don't, I don't for one second think it's going to happen. The fact that we're even talking about it is is testimony to the way that they've done this season, even with such adversity in the, the two windows. But yeah, there's um, there's a ch- while there's a chance you've got to go for it. And, you know, the home form has been excellent this year. Um, finally getting that win at Ipswich might help them going up to Blackburn, who, you know, they're safe now. They've got nothing left to play for realistically. That could work against Swansea. You never really know, but you know you've got to go three wins from three. It's a big ask. If they do that, then they've got they've got a great chance, and you've still got to hope for results elsewhere. But while it's on, you've got to you've got to keep plugging away. Steve, as Mitch was saying there, it is testament really to the job that Pot has done. That the fact they are so close to the playoffs, you think with all that he's had to deal with, hands behind, but tied behind his back slightly in terms of recruitment and what happened last summer and, and January yeah absolutely I mean he, he's come in years it's been a big rebuild I think about 15 16 players have gone um, and only five have come in mm. I mean you've you're really struggling at most clubs I would say in that situation obviously the young players have come in and and done really well but at the same time you only have a, two, a couple of injuries away in certain positions from a real problem if we look obviously McBurney uh, was injured for a time the manager doesn't think Baker Richardson is the answer at the moment and there wasn't really a striker so Dan James had to go up front. That's the type of situation you end up in then. Obviously centre-half's been a problem with Joe Roden being out. If we'd got another injury, again, I don't know who's going to play there, probably Kean Harris, but he's a young player that doesn't quite look ready at this mm. stage and it's big pressure then. So you know, for him to re-implement the style of play that we all loved uh, from a few years back and to you know, get the results that he has, he's he's got to be up there for manager of the season I would say in the championship he's he's done a marvellous job really and um, hopefully he'll be here for the long term because I think if he is then he'll always be confident that good things can happen in spite of the ownership perhaps a strange question but would you would you want to go up? Um, no that is a, a question I've, I've actually said all season that I, I don't really want to um, and I think in the ideal scenario for Swansea is to stay in this division keep all the good young players, bring in maybe four or five um, to help the squad, maybe a couple of experienced ones, 
And then next year, I actually believe that we would have a very good chance of getting automatic promotion. The problem is, will that happen? Very unlikely. Players are probably going to leave. How many are going to come in? I don't know. So then you see this as maybe a chance we won't get again. Plus, if you look at the financial situation, obviously, just in terms of the fact that a lot of the club staff are going to likely be made redundant, then for them it's a very big thing yeah. as long as you can get in the playoffs and have a chance. So we don't live in an ideal world, so we have to go for it. That's the way you have to look at it, really. But I think from a fan point of view, a lot of fans have enjoyed this season, certainly far more than the last few. So I don't think there'll be any tears in that sense if we don't get in there, unlike in 2011. I think there was a, a desperation really from everybody to try and seize the opportunity to get in the Premier League. I don't think it's like that at the moment, but obviously you want to do as well as you can. So if that chance is there, then you've got to go for it, really. I've certainly enjoyed this season a lot more than the last two or three. Certainly the last, mm. last season was a, was a slog. You know, even from a, a journalistic point of view, it was a slog. There was so much negativity about the club. The football was... Well, well I've said, I think the Brighton home game last year, I don't know if either of you went to it, I've had a season ticket for over 20 years and that is arguably the worst performance I've ever seen from a Swansea team. And obviously that's a, yeah, and that's a far more talented team than a lot of the other ones we've had previously, but it was just it was scary to watch, I thought. And there were so many games that were boring, weren't there? So it was going down there wasn't enjoyable. The enjoyable part for me was going to the pub afterwards mm. and moaning about it. But um, it's changed this year, thank God. People, like, fans are going to games now and thinking, well, we've got a chance today. Whoever they're playing, whereas I know obviously last season they did pick up shock results against Arsenal, Liverpool, and that that space for space for a week was it? Were they? they yeah, in January, wasn't January, it? not long after Calvial came in. But it, there was a there was almost a a fear going down there that oh, how many is it going to be today? Well, I think that was the weird one with that situation because the way they were setting up in those games, you always give yourself a chance. You know, if you Nick a set piece, which I think it was Alfie Mawson against Liverpool, didn't he? And and they go and win that game, and it's you know, it's loaded as all brilliant. It was a big scalp, which it was. But when you play this style that we're seeing now, you look at it against Man City. No one gave Swansea a hope in hell, and yet for forty five minutes, you honestly thought that they they could have done it. You know, let's let's make no mistake. We know how good Man City are, and they they came back, and even with the controversy, they were still by far the better team. Um, as, as sickening as it was to take in the manner that they lost the game, but you know th- those games, Southampton at home last season, where mm. you know had they won that, let's be honest, they'd have they'd have stayed up probably, wouldn't they? But there's there's just so many of those performances where had they just gone for it, set up slightly differently, that that just never changed, and it was you were almost just waiting for that relegation. It was it was it was coming and coming, you know, through the season and and by year on year really. So. I can see why fans, you know, Steve summed it up well there by saying, from a playing point of view, it's, it's been a joy to watch this year. You enjoy watching matches. Doesn't matter whether you play Norwich at the top or even Ipswich. You know, there was some good football at times from Swansea there as well. So, I can see why. But you know, if you're talking purely from a, a business sense, then you know, let's make no mistake, going up is the dream scenario, isn't it? You, when you're talking about redundancies and so on. Yeah, livelihoods on the line. Aren't exactly. They? Yeah, but from a playing perspective, I can fully understand why fans would say, you know, another year in the championship and, and fingers crossed, if you can retain that core, you know, you might lose one or two, let's be honest, but if you can retain the bulk of your squad and, and even strengthen, then then who knows next year? Um, let's look at the pre-season predictions that we had. Um, yeah. 
Who wants to go first, mate? Do you want to? Well, I I think what was I came? I said they were thirteenth. Oh, to finish. Yeah, to finish. I think you went with thirteenth, didn't you? Eleventh. Eleventh. Bit more yeah, generous. Take that. Um, yourself. Ninth. Uh, ninth. Steve, what did you th- think they were going to be at the start of the season? I don't know. We we made these predictions just before the the transfer transfer window closed in the summer, so slightly skewed it a little. Mm. Um, you were speaking earlier about perhaps being a bit lower down. Yeah, I I thought thirteenth. I remember I was asked in a couple of things, and thirteenth uh, is what I went with. I was expecting a slow start, and then things to improve as the season went on, and that well we did have a good start, and then obviously for things have now improved. I would mm. say this is the best we've been playing really recently. So. It sort of has worked out like that, but I think we all probably would have had us a bit lower if the predictions were done just after the transfer deadline day when we lost a few players. So that really speaks volumes for how well uh, the team have done this year in those circumstances. Yeah, they really have. I mean, they've certainly, um, in the last few weeks, as you say, they've been playing some some really attractive football, QPR side, um, which was a bit of a, a, a disaster. Um, this is the closest... Or the best football they've been playing since Loudrup, would you say? Uh, I would say so, yes. Yeah. You're talking five years really, aren't you? You know, 2014, on, since then, what have we had, <laughs> let's be honest. Well, it's been, it's been pretty, there's been some, some dross on, on show. I mean, Clement, are we going back to Clement? You know, he got them sorted at the back, didn't he? He certainly improved prove them in, from a defensive point of view but there wasn't much imagination on the front foot um, a fair play to Potter I mean he, he's very much front front foot football yeah, I think yeah absolutely was, sorry the, 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 was it the Southampton game first game of the season at St Mary's it was the nil-nil and yeah. he was jeered you know, he was booed on that first game and in the grand scheme of things a point away from home you think oh, okay it's not bad but it was just the approach to the game and he took off Tammy Abraham after about 70 minutes or whatever it was. And he brought on Kyle Bartley for him, didn't he? Do I remember that. I was yeah. in the away end and I was looking thinking, what are you doing? It was one and he gestured to the away end going, calm down. And I was thinking, yeah. Paul, I've paid quite a lot of money to come here. And we're, yeah. we're playing like an ordinary team, I would say, and we're, we're basically saying that we're not going to go forward anymore. 100% no because I, I, I covered the game first game and you know there's all that optimism and you're thinking right we've stayed up you know was it 13 points from 15 in the last five games the year before there was so much optimism and then you're sort of thinking right okay what can we do a couple of decent signings of Tammy Abraham we've, he didn't do his best at Swansea but he was great at Bristol and he's now showing it again at Villa so there was a bit I'm not saying they were going to do brilliantly but there was sort of an expectation that they could have improved anyway but that just wasn't the case and it quickly became apparent that it was going downhill very very quickly so yeah I think it, you know, for the fans especially you know, Steve summed it up there you're paying good money to travel to Southampton now you've got fans going to Ipswich here there and everywhere and they're playing nice stuff and you're being entertained and you feel like you're, you've got your club back almost yeah um, from positive things to, to to the summer then um, like uh, they keep trotting out this line about hard medicine to take and you think well there's going to be more of that this summer probably I mean we're in the middle of this redundancy issue at the club at the moment which isn't fully resolved yet you think there's going to be more cost cutting this summer it's just inevitable isn't it yeah 100% you know we've spoken about since that letter emerged on well, it, we first saw it was on social media wasn't it obviously it's a, a letter that staff have had um, and then you know 
because of the whole situation with Hugh Jenkins and the wait for Trevor Birch to come in, I think everything's just been put on hold. You know, players have had contract talks and, and they've been put on hold. Van der Horn, I think he was, he'd, I wouldn't say agreed, but they'd had talks over a two-year contract extension and that had to be put on hold after Hugh Jenkins went. So, yeah, it's just this delay that's made everything uncertain. But obviously now Trevor Birch has been in, what we're talking, three, four weeks now officially. So you'd like to think that a lot of it's being resolved behind the scenes and it's just a case of pressing the button, so to speak. As for the redundancies, I mean, that's just, it's, it's part of the relegation. It's an awful situation and you know, I sympathise with those that, you know, that are involved. Um, but it, there's massive decisions to be made. Mm. And when you're talking on the pitch, there's going to be player sales, whether it's, you know, let's be honest, Daniel James, I think everyone's resigned to him going. More so now because of his talent, because he's just been so good that you almost wouldn't, I wouldn't say you wouldn't begrudge him a move away, but he's just played himself into a move away. So mm. not too long ago, we were talking about Leeds. Now I think he's he's above them, isn't he? So, you know, he's one, but if they can retain the core of the squad and shift out, you know, the likes of your, your Andre and your Jordan Ayus, boy, your Baston, you know, these are players that are coming on big wages in the Premier League and, you know, it's unsustainable. We saw it with Wilfred Boney and he's now gone, so... Um, they, they need a few more of those really and you know if, if they can get those off the, the situation will be a lot lot easier there will be less reliant on others going but let's be honest we can't guarantee that because they've not exactly pulled up trees where they've you know on, on their loan move so I, mean, I suppose that's going to be Trevor Birch's first job really is to get buyers for those those, those fringe players not an easy job though no, I think it probably would have been a little bit easier last summer because obviously, as Mitch has said, a lot of those players that have gone out alone have not pulled up any trees. No, really so their are. value will have dropped. Some of them will only have a year left. It's going to be very difficult, I think, to, to ship them out. We've got to hope really that maybe a newly promoted team or something like that, or arguably a team in China or the MLS, maybe fancies the AU brothers, for example. So, yeah, it is, without doubt, it's going to be difficult. It's, it's hard to see that the shortfall won't get made up by at least a couple of the younger players maybe going mm. um, which obviously is the disappointing thing because they're the players that we really want to keep but there's other players that were contract as well I think Leroy Fur is one I can't see him signing I can't see Martin Olsen staying if I'm honest no. so I'd have thought they're quite high earners as well so if they, they'll go as we've already discussed Routledge obviously he's a player that is under well he's another one out of contract sorry um, maybe he'll stay more likely than the others, I would say. But um, yeah, it's there is going to be more hard medicine, I would have thought. But the one good thing is, they have said they want to keep Category One Academy, mm. so that's a positive because saying that we sell Dan James for a high sum, it arguably pays for itself. Eh? And there's a lot of good young players that have come through, and you know Swansea historically has always produced a lot of players. Maybe not in recent years, but if you look back to the fifties and the sixties and the seventies, a lot have come through here. So. There's a big catchment area with us being the only football league club in West Wales. So if we can use that, then hopefully we can bring through a lot of good young players in the future and that can only be a good thing for us. There's a lot of the academy players in the, in the team at the moment. Uh, they're almost for the first names on there, aren't they? Yeah, I think off the top of my head, I think there's nine players that have been in the academy have played first team football under Graham Potter. So, you know, that's, that's enormous. And let's be honest, you know, Ollie McBurney's He's your star striker at the moment. He starts. Connor Roberts, Joe Roden, when he's fit, probably starts alongside Van der Horn, who's you know another contract situation. We don't know what's going to happen with him yet. 
Um, yeah, Baez is in the mix now as well. Exactly. Like, I think he's come on leaps and bounds. Yeah. We saw him against uh, Rotherham in the second half. He was he was phenomenal. He's really come on in the last um, couple of months. So um, Jay Fulton, another one who's shown glimpses of you know really improving as well. So it's really encouraging. So as Steve said, I mean keeping that cat one state that that's enormous because they could easily have been happy to use that as part of the um, you know restructuring and. You have to you have to say thankfully they haven't done that because you look at some of the players they produced, not just recently but you know going historically they're in such a good catchment area. There's no one else. You know, Cardiff are the closest, and that's you know other side of the bottom end of the country. So yeah, that, that I think that's huge. I can't underestimate how big that is. I've got a list here of players that I think that would possibly probably be on the move this summer. I've got the, both the AU's Baston Narsing, but well, is Narsing out of contract? He is. Yeah, yeah. he'll go, won't he? Yeah, um, Jeff. Yeah, he's got another year. He's got another year. Tom Carroll. Well, it's an interesting one with Jeff, for example, um, Baston, Jordan. I they've all got another year left. So even if they do go out on loan, see out the contracts, and you know if they can get part of the contracts paid, well, that eases the burden. It's not ideal, but it's, it's certainly the case. But yeah, now seeing out a contract, he'll he'll be he'll be gone money. Let's be honest. Well, Andre, he's got longer on his deal though. Yeah. So I mean, as we say, it's going to be tough shifting him. So. It's just whether people want to take a punt on him. Is it worth getting him out on a, a lower fee or do you send him out on loan again? You do a split on the wages again. It's a tough call with some of them. Yeah, I've got obviously, Steve, you mentioned Fair and also I think Fair calls on those, I think, mm. be hard for them to, to stay. Um, Boney's deal will be. He's up in uh, June, yeah. Up in June. I mean, that's still quite a few going out the exit door in terms of incomings. You know, I can't... Maybe they'll be the sort of players in the same sort of price bracket as maybe Selena around the sort of like the three to four million pound mark. I can't really see many more or much more being spent on an individual player. I just can't see it. No, I agree. I mean, you look at last summer, they had... It was I can't remember the exact fee was he three and a half four million for Selena Asora was around the two, two it was a touch less you know Carter Vickers on loan they're going to have to use the loan market again which is probably why there was so much anger last year when you know the, the loan market obviously lasts longer than the, 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 the usual market it changed last year um, and they only brought the one loan player in and, and as Steve mentioned earlier on that when a couple of injuries have happened, they've had to mix things up in not an ideal way because they've just not had the depth. So mm. that might be something they have to utilise more or better this year. Um, but, but probably a more interesting one, we briefly touched on it between the three of us, but I mean, which of the, the, the first team players do we think are going to go, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of interest, isn't it? That'd there? be interesting. McBurney, he's, he's got 20 goals in all competition. 21 now. 21, you know, it's not certainly not to be sniffed at. Mm. You know, Connor Roberts, I think, is a fantastic place. He kind of perhaps dipped a little bit in the second half of the season, perhaps just because of energy levels that maybe slightly low. But I think he's, you know, Wales' first choice now. He's, he's, been, he's been superb for the last year. Um, I mean, if I, was a, if I was a Premier League club looking for a, a young, hungry fullback, Connor Roberts would be, mm. be on my list, you know, as a... Not necessarily as maybe as a first choice, but certainly as a, a fantastic squad player. I think there'd be plenty of interest in Roden as well. I think there's been there's been interest in the past for him as well. You think? Yeah. These these are the these are the questions they're going to have to be faced with. There's going to be interest, 
and teams will know that Swansea are hard pushed for, for cash. That's the problem now, isn't it? I think I've spoken to a few people and we now have a reputation as well as being a soft touch on deadline day. Mm. Will clubs, as the players we've mentioned now, as well as the ones that are on loan, will clubs just think, well, they need the money. Why should we uh, do a deal until deadline day? Do it on deadline day and then Swansea have lowered the price, haven't they? Mm. So I think that is going to be a big issue, I would say, trying to possibly get any deals done earlier and then obviously if we do have replacements in mind hopefully they haven't gone anywhere either yeah. so I think that's one huge lesson that has to be learned seven players have gone on the last two deadline days and none have come in we can't carry on uh, dealing with things in that way really um, it's going to cause big problems Jan- January summed that up didn't it you know it was deathly quiet it's, the, it's by far and away the, the most quiet transfer window I've ever known and there was no inkling of any incomings for, for long periods and you sort of scratching around thinking surely there's something in the pipeline there wasn't any players linked hardly at all was no it was, it was incredibly which quiet is, which is really strange and the worst thing for me was that three players did leave in the January deadline day and in the end I was almost happy because Dan James <laughs> didn't go and the Yorkford didn't go so was, I'm actually happy yeah. only three have gone and you're yeah. just thinking to yourself like this is bonkers three yeah. have gone that's not a good day <laughs> but that's what it's been like really isn't it but luckily Dan James didn't go imagine if he had gone and you think he goes to yeah. Leeds for the £1 million loan fee or whatever it was, I think it was, and he then goes to Allen Road, has a stormer, the same way he's been in superb form here. You know, they've lost that transfer fee that hopefully they'll secure a big fee for him from, from this summer. Yeah, I mean, his contract situation is going to have a big say on things, so yeah. we'll have to wait for that, of course. But, oh, I mean... It's a sad situation when you when you're saying you're losing only three is is a positive, and that's how it felt. It was it was bizarre, wasn't it? You know, especially it was done so it was after deadline when it was confirmed that it was all off. You know, it was sort of ten past eleven. When it was a late night, wasn't it? Which remember that one? Yeah, I do yeah. Night. So, but but that that's the whole point. You know, clubs were in the position of power, knowing that they could, you know, that they they had the upper hand over Swansea. They could wait till as late as they want and then swoop. Obviously, it didn't work out for Leeds because the plug was pulled so late, but. Swansea were dancing to people's tunes almost in that last situation. It was, you, you can't have that again. You've got to be so much more careful. And it's not just a case of doing business early, but just being careful that you don't leave yourselves in a, a, a weaker position so late on. Well, this all comes down to let's come back to our last point here, down to the down to the owners, um, the absent owners, I suppose we can call them. We don't really hear much of them at all. We spoke to them in September, which took a long time to set up in the first place. We haven't had any dialogue with them since. There hasn't been any real dialogue with the supporters either, has, has there really? The only real thing I remember was about two years ago. Um, this, this, they attended a Supporters Trust fans forum. I was there. I asked them one question and that was about stadium expansion because that's something they talked a lot about that they wanted to do. And I tried to find out where the money was going to come from for it um, because I explained that if you take it from the playing budget, you're going to have a shortfall and I said we'd probably end up getting relegated which is, has happened now without it anyway but um, Mystic Steve Carroll yeah they um, how can I put it they completely ducked the question and uh, just talked about the positives of expanding didn't talk about anything to do with money uh, and I think that sort of sums them up really they don't give any hard answers they're full of a lot of hot air and um, it's almost at the point where even if they did speak I'm not really interested because there's no substance to what they're saying and um 
yeah, they're just going to go against everything anyway. So I think the trust is just completely uh, broken with them now. It'll it's damaged irreparably for me. Yeah. And um, I just want them to leave as soon as possible in an ideal world. But uh, whether someone's out there or not, I don't know. They wants to buy the club. And in terms of the trust, likely to end in in court. I thought. Um, it's a very drawn out process at the moment. Um, in terms of they've got to make sure that in, in terms of money they've got enough money to take it to court. It is very frustrating. And I think a lot of there's a lot of apathy really now with the fan base because it is taking such a long time. But I think it will go to court in the end. Um because like I say, I think the trust as as between them and the fan base has broken down to the point where that's the only thing that they can do to put them under any sort of pressure really and hopefully it would force them to sell before um it did go to court. But um we just don't really know how that's going to play out. I think it's, you know, it's still got a, a long way to go with that. I would say. And in terms, of we've, I think the only time we've heard from the owners this this season was, was they, they spoke when, when Trevor Birch was appointed. Actually, yeah, there was they? the statement with, um, well, the initial for Hugh Jenkins it was it was written as a club statement, wasn't it? And then officially from them for Trevor Birch, yeah, they, that was the only time I think this season, or well, other than when they spoke to us in. America in September, wasn't it? Yeah. So, you know, people want answers, and you wonder what you, you know, they can't. You know, they have to understand why the frustrations are there. It's not just about relegation or football. It's it's about people's livelihoods. It's about the city of Swansea. What impact that has on the, the local community. So, um, and when they're over in America, you know, it's it's hard for people to know what's going on without hearing from them. So. Yeah, they've got a duty to do that, and we're just not getting it at the moment, are we? I mean, communication, dialogue—that's what what we what we want. Um, I can't remember seeing them at a game this this season either. As far as I'm aware, no. I don't think they have been. Are you aware? I don't think so. But uh, if we make the playoffs, I'm sure they'll make an appearance at Wembley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to the best of my knowledge, apologies if I am wrong, but as far as I'm aware, they haven't. Uh. I think that that is part of the part of the frustration, really. I mean, even if we had some some notes in the in the, in the program once every you know couple of weeks would be mm. would beneficial. I mean, uh, Chris Billman has a as 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 a column there. He does, yeah. But he's I, just essentially their mouthpiece, isn't he? You know, it's well, it's, it must be difficult for him, I think, because he's just acting on their instructions essentially. And I said relegation, it's it's hit it's hit the club hard across all across all fronts in terms of I'm sure it's it's affected them massively commercially as well. I mean, to the the TV deal between the Premier League and the the Championship is it's vast. It's yeah, vast. we've looked at the pieces in recent weeks, and we and you know that that drop. It's that's why you're talking about people potentially losing their jobs and stuff. So. Yeah, it's it's just part of relegation. That's the the problem when you uh, gamble. Is that the right word? You know, when you're paying such massive fees for your your Wilfred Bonies, your your IUs, and and not only transfer fees but enormous wages. And you know, when it doesn't work out, and you know, if you do go down, you're in a serious mess. And you know, I think people are starting to realise if they hadn't already, you Steve someone has probably seen it coming more than most. But it paints a full picture of just how disastrous some of the the signings were, really. Well, they're going to be paying. They're still still paying for their mistakes of two or three windows ago. Yeah, there's been so many mistakes. I think obviously the recent finances indicated a, a three or a four million loss. I think, and 
think the, the one that angers me the most about that is the fact that we spent 18 million on Andrew in the transfer window. Now, they knew there was a possibility of relegation. That was obviously outside the budget because we've now made a loss. There should have been a cut-off point where they've gone, right, we're not paying that. Yeah. I know it's easy to say now because if he'd scored five or six goals and we stayed up, it looks like a great decision, doesn't it? But they shouldn't have gambled to the point where we made a loss. They maybe should have gone 12 million, right, and that's enough. I personally wouldn't have brought him back anyway, but in terms of if they were going to bring anybody in, they should have realised that they shouldn't have made a loss because that that's obviously a loss before we even take a lot of the things into account for this season. So it's just been complete mismanagement really and like you say, the signings, all the big money ones really have been not up to the job, let's be honest about it. And I think for a lot of them, it was fairly obvious that they weren't going to be the answer either. So I think that's the, the real frustration. I agree. Um, there's going to be a long summer, I think, ahead in terms of turnover of player. I think there's going to be a lot of ins and outs. It's going to be a a frustrating, a frustrating off season. I think. Yeah, most most probably. Um, you know, the last two were exactly the same, but you know, at least January had the positives on the pitch going and beating you know the, the start of the cup run, beating Villa and Gillingham. So. It was nice and positive, and then you had that sucker punch of deadline day, and you know you just you don't want that because you can see what Potter's building here. It's it's something special, and he he's he said from day one he just wants to keep strengthening the the club and how they're operating, and I think he's doing that in terms of the way they're playing on the pitch. But as for matters off the pitch, you've got to just yeah, I'd, I'd say hope. I don't know if that's the right word, but you don't have too much faith, do you? So you you fancy it to be another slog, and you just hope Potter can keep working a few more miracles next season. Uh, yes, indeed. Um, okay, um, Hull this weekend. Hull? Yep. Yes. Saturday. Prediction? Swansea win. Yeah, I think uh, the Swans will win that one. They'll carry on the good run at home. I think so as well. I think I, I fancy them against, um, against Derby next week as well. Yeah, that's a really interesting one because they've not played some great stuff in the last few, well, in a month or so. I mean, they got a great result against QPR, but it was two injury time goals one of which was a penalty so yeah they're not they've they played better stuff this season let's put it that way so yeah. it's one that Swansea would you know, potentially be favourites for so I tend to agree with you on that one yeah, but maybe do you fancy three out on three Steve? Um, I'm not sure about that I think Derby we've got to fancy ourselves because Derby haven't won away from home all uh, this calendar year which is quite surprising mm. and I think the interesting thing with the Derby game is obviously they played Bristol City on Saturday how that game goes will dictate how Derby approach this game. If they lose to Bristol City, I think they've got to come down here and win. Yeah. So if they have a go with us, that means you could see you know, a bit of a goal fest, I would think. Um, but in general, I think we've got a good chance in that game. And then Blackburn, you just don't know. Last day of the season, funny things do well, happen. Yeah, yeah, but happen, the, yeah. the thing is, we know we'll have to win again, so we'd have to go for broke. Yeah. So stranger things have happened, you, you just don't know, do you? I think it's just a case of enjoying it while you can and... Enjoy the football, enjoy what we've been seeing, because it's been a great run, you know, especially since January. Away form's not been good, obviously, but some of the football they've played in, at times has been excellent, so just enjoy it, and whatever happens, Kesara and all that. Excellent. OK, uh, Mitch, you and I will be back next week, next Thursday. Steve, it's been great to have you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Steve. Come again in the summer? Yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah, lovely. Great stuff. OK, thanks, everyone. Thanks all. Thanks.